Really? Popped collar? Really? Hour number three, welcome to the program, the Pete Callender Show. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Joe Biden at his vacation home on the beach. Uh, not on a bicycle. Um, don't worry. But he's walking on the beach wearing uh, what looked like, what was that, Patriot Front? Those guys? Isn't that those guys? They, they all wear the khakis and the dark navy shirts, right? That's what That's what he was dressed like. And he's walking on the beach, and he's got the collar popped. Which hasn't been a thing since, like, the 90s, if I recall correctly. Is that coming back? Is the collar popped back? Okay. Bernie, the resident millennial, assures me that it is not coming back. I mean, are you up to speed, though, on the younger generation's fashion statements? I believe so. You believe so? I believe so. Uh, things that are still a thing with young kids wearing short shorts when it's cold outside. Yeah. Uh, they do that a lot. Kids have been wearing shorts. It's terrible, Pete. They, they grow up to be adults that wear shorts all the time, too. I don't like it. It's awful. Yeah. Hey, Pete, I did have a question. Was it uh, multiple shirts that you would wear and pop those collars back in the day? Wasn't that the thing? Well, some people, yes, if you could... As a larger mammal, I was never able to do the layered look because, you know, you can't, you, at some point you start looking like sausage casing, you know? Mm. So, uh, no, I, I would not do the multiple layers. I do recall there were others that did that. They were very small, slight humans, very, very frail looking, like you could blow them over in a wind, you know? <laughs> very tiny people. And they could layer up with lots of the oversized clothing. Yes, yeah, especially the chicks. They would have... There was the big, uh, yeah, it wasn't that a big fashion deal back in like late 80s, early 90s, <clears throat> I want to say, where they would have the white collar shirt. It was very, uh, what's her name? Demi Moore, right? Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. Molly Ringwald. Yes. That kind of, yeah, that, that whole look of the multiple collar pops, yeah. It was in style. It was. So everything comes back around, so <laughs> we, we shall see. Anyway, so Joe Biden, he's going to make the collar pop cool again, I guess. Uh, and he had the aviator glasses on, too. I know that's what you were wondering as well. He was wearing them both at his uh, beach house, his vacation beach house. All right, so let me get back to this uh, topic, and I'll reset it here for uh, for podcast purposes, which, by the way, if you're listening on podcast, thank you. You can get it, by the way, at uh, com or WBT.com. Pick your favorite platform, and boom, there it is on your smartphone or tablet. So... Uh, And every hour comes down as a separate podcast. So the North Carolina Republican Party wants the Board of Elections to issue a declaratory ruling, which I doubt is going to happen because the Board of Elections is controlled by Democrats. But they want to authorize county boards to scrutinize signatures on the absentee ballot request forms and absentee ballot return envelopes. Okay, there is an by the way, there is an open uh, public comment period now through July 5th. So if you want to weigh in on this, you can go to the Board of Elections website and you can offer your opinion on this matter. Under this process, the County Board of Elections would compare the signature on your absentee ballot or on the request form, because in North Carolina, you don't just get them mailed to you. You have to request them, which is that's a security measure. This way, they don't just get mailed out to everybody's homes. Now, the request forms get mailed out. 
There are nonprofit groups that have been doing this for a couple election cycles. They go and they just get all of these request forms mailed to people's homes, and then they go to their homes and get them to fill out the, the ballots. But they want to be able to compare the signatures on the ballots. And the McClatchy board of, uh, or uh, editorial board, and that's the Charlotte Observer and the Raleigh News and Observer, and is it the Winston, I always forget, the Winston-Salem Journal, Sun or Sun Journal, I always forget what the, the other one is. Um, but the McClatchy editorial board, they're outraged over this. They say this is not necessary. This is too much. They called it harsh. They say this would be among the nation's harshest rules. Why? Because we have a witness signature as well. We have a witness requirement for absentee ballot voting. So you have to have people, you have to have two witnesses that see you fill out the ballot. They don't have to see what you filled out, but they have to they have to be present while you're filling out the ballot to confirm that it is you filling out the ballot or you can go to a notary public. Um, during COVID, they reduced that down to uh, to one witness. And Democrats wanted it down to zero and Democrats would prefer, prefer it to be zero still. Which begs the question. For the people who are so vested in protecting the democracy, why do you keep trying to rip apart the safeguards of said democracy? What's up with that? Are there any rules that you guys do want to see in place? You're against the voter ID rules. You're against the witness signatures. You're against witness verif- or a, a signature verification. You're against list maintenance. You're against the interstate cross-check system. You want you know, early voting for as many hours as possible all the time and same-day registration. I'm unclear. What safeguards do you actually want to see in place? The method used, or the method being sought, they say is used in 27 states already, matching the signatures. According to Republicans, though, the witness signatures, the witness requirements, that's not enough. So they propose the signature verification guidance not to replace the existing witness signature requirement, but would add it to the uh, safeguards. Based on information from the National Conference of State Legislatures, no other state appears to conduct signature verification on top of requiring witness signatures on the ballots. Signature verification, where I would sign my ballot and then you would compare, the Board of Elections would compare it to their file to see if it's the same. They say signature verification is a process so flawed that experts have described it as witchcraft and ripe for error. It could potentially disenfranchise legitimate voters. In states where signature matching is required, thousands of ballots get thrown out each election cycle due to signature errors. Those ballots disproportionately belong to younger voters, older voters, and minority voters who may be less familiar with the voting process or whose handwriting may have changed over time. Why would unfamiliarity with the voting process change the way your signature looks as just to take one of the categories as a young voter or a minority voter? I could see an older voter. But why would your 
Why would ignorance of the way the system works make you have a different signature? Well, I, I don't follow that logic. Um, this witness signature thing, this is funny to me because the, uh, or sorry, the, uh, the, the verification, the signature verification issue, this has been cited as proof for why all of the election fraud allegations from Donald Trump have been dismissed. People like the editorial board at McClatchy and Democrats and lawyers and media people and whatever, like they've all cited the signature, the ballot signatures as a safeguard against the ballot harvesting of which we saw in the movie 2000 Mules, right? That's, That's the safeguard that that the defenders of the election results and the critics of Donald Trump and the critics of 2000 Mules and the critics of the True the Vote group, the, the, the critics, the opponents, they all say, we got, we got ballot signature rules in this state. But yet here is the Observer editorial board saying, oh, they, they, don't really, they don't really work so well. It's more witchcraft, and they're ripe for error. Oh. So it's not a safeguard. Signature verification is not a safeguard. So you prefer then the witness signatures? Because I recall when you guys were opposed to the witness signatures. So which is it? You just don't want both? Or do you just don't want either? Right? Because it sounds like you don't want either. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. Callender with a K. And then an A. L. It, it proceeds from there. Um, so the McClatchy editorial board, very, very upset, very concerned that the Republican Party is asking for local boards of elections uh, to be able to scrutinize signatures on absentee ballots to be able to compare them to the signatures that are on file. And this is ridiculous because the absentee ballots already have witness signatures on them. And so, look, you got somebody to witness for you, so who cares? We don't need the extra layer of protection. Why does anybody need multiple layers of protection, right? Why bother? Just one. Just the minimum level. That's it. That should be good enough for us. That's how we like to protect our democracy. The bare minimum. So they uh, they say in this editorial that uh, the uh, signature verification, comparing my signature on my absentee ballot to whatever's on file at the Board of Elections, that this isn't even really a good system. I mean, it's used by more than half of the states, but it's really not even very good. And the ballots uh, that they end up tossing under this system tend to be poor people, minority people, the elderly, and all this. And and the reason they get tossed is because, well, they say it's due to ignorance of the election laws, which somehow or another means that your signature gets changed. So it looks different or something? I don't know. They don't really explain that. Um, I do understand if you get older, your signature changes. though. Now, back in May, Back in May, there was a story um, out of Los Angeles. A woman walking her dog in East Hollywood found a box 
of over 100 mail-in ballots for an upcoming election. They were just sitting on the sidewalk. Her name was Christina Rapacci, and she took them home for safekeeping while trying to figure out what to do next. She went onto social media. She called the cops and uh, several uh, politicians as well. And everybody was like, not my job. I'm not taking them. After much back and forth, the L.A. County Registrar's Office did finally get in contact with her about picking up the ballots. And so they did get to where they were supposed to go. The L.A. County Registrar's Office released a statement after this. And this is according to Fox, uh, FoxLA.com. Quote, Early signs indicate this was an incident of mail theft and not a directed attempt at disrupting the election. Security protocols such as signature verification are in place to protect against any misuse or wrongdoing of vote-by-mail ballots. Huh. So, rest assured, everybody, more than 100 ballots sitting in a box on a sidewalk, part of a mail theft operation completely unrelated to the election. Don't worry. And furthermore, don't worry that we have security protocols in place to protect against any misuse or wrongdoing. Like signature verification. But wait, there's more. Here is the Associated Press's fact focus. Sort of their politifact, their fact check-in, whatever. Their little version of it. This was published in the News and Observer, which is, that's right, McClatchy. Headline, fact focus, gaping holes in the claim of 2,000 ballot mules. This was also from May of 2022, so just about a month ago. And they go through and have various claims and the facts, and they claim and the facts. Then there's this one, claim. If it weren't for this ballot collection scheme, former President Donald Trump would have had enough votes to win the 2020 election. That's the claim. But here are the facts, as told to you by McClatchy. This alleged scheme has not been proven, nor do these researchers have any way of knowing whether any ballots that were collected contained votes for Trump or for Biden. Absentee ballots are also verified by signature and tracked closely, often with an option for voters themselves to see where their ballot is at any given time. Oh, so here's McClatchy publishing. What is this? A harsh rule or, or what you're, but you're using this as proof that the system is working and you can't trust those 2000 mule uh, movie makers to tell you the truth there because they obviously don't know about the signature verification. Isn't that interesting? They go on to say, even more concerning is the fact that it's subjective. Election officials aren't handwriting experts. I mean, they're just crapping all over this signature uh, protocol, aren't they? Man, they really don't like it. I mean, aside from the times when they needed to use it, so they said they liked it for you know, safeguarding elections for these other incidents. But now, like, holy smokes, they're really just poo-pooing it. Election officials are not handwriting experts. They are, however, political appointees. They have to move very quickly to make sure votes get counted, meaning the signature is glanced at and verified in a matter of seconds and mistakes happen. And if 
signature verification is authorized but not required by the state, then the level of scrutiny applied to absentee ballots could vary by county. And we definitely can't have that. It's got to be uniform. In 2018, a voter scheme orchestrated by Republican McRae Dallas, right, the political operative, undid the election results. And they say that's the only example of widespread voter fraud occurring in North Carolina. And as I went over earlier, it is not. It is not. They say it's a solution in search of a problem. Yeah, that's a cliche in search of being used. And they say it's not new. Just in the past year, a discriminatory voter ID law was struck down by a state court. Okay, that ID law was struck down, if I recall correctly, because the judge is crazy. The judge is trying to make the NAACP's argument for them that this is a, quote, usurper legislative body because they were elected under redistricting maps. Yeah, it's a completely you know, space cadet kind of argument they're making, but they got a judge to agree to it. So that's that rule. But they say bills would have significantly limited mail in voting as well, which just by making it the deadline of election day rather than after election day and suppose a uh, scrubbed supposedly illegal voters from the state's voter rolls, right? Doing list maintenance. So again, at every turn, they object to every single election integrity measure. So who's actually trying to protect the democracy here? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I got an email here. I'm not going to go over all that. I don't know the person's name. They didn't sign it. It just says DG something or other. Anyway. Um, only a small number of votes were needed to steal the election. And then, uh, you know, shows me the 10,000 Arizona, 20,000 Wisconsin, like the difference in the vote totals. And you add them all together and you have to have, and then you get all these electoral votes. And I'm not going to double check the math. I'll assume for the sake of the argument that the math is correct. Right. But you have to have all of that happen in all of those states in the same way in order to get all of those electoral votes. Right. Then he says, also more food for thought. Have you looked into the historical signature verification rejection rate versus that of 2020 by the same states? Uh, I have not uh, done the the research on that, but I would venture to guess you would have uh, more rejections in 2020. I, I would guess you would have more rejections in 2020 by number. Why? Because you have more people voting absentee. Ah, but they also relaxed the standards. Why? Because they knew people were going to be voting absentee and they were going to be overwhelmed with the number of absentee ballots. So that, I mean, that's my assessment, my understanding of it, uh, that you would have because of COVID, you had more people voting. And so they said, just like in North Carolina, the general assembly said, rather than two witness signatures on an absentee ballot, we'll knock it down to one because they recognized this is going to be a hardship for a lot of people, especially in a COVID pandemic situation where people don't want to get multiple people together to sign the things, right? Same concept here. States were like, look, we're going to have a ton of people sending in these ballots. Let's suspend the signature verification or we're just not going to look at it too closely. Um, Do you think it's reasonable to think nursing homes in Wisconsin had a 100% participation rate? Um, Is it reasonable? 
Yes, if someone is harvesting their votes. Absolutely, it's reasonable. Is that what happened? I do not know. Should there be an investigation? Absolutely. I covered the story when uh, when it came out. So please do not, as Vince Coakley would say, do not hear what I'm not saying, which is I encourage there to be investigations. Part of the problem with election integrity measures and uh, the debate, the arguments and policy crafting, part of the problem is specifically that there are very few resources devoted to prosecutions, investigations. That's, that's been the case for a very long time. So when we do get some prosecutions after investigations, it's pretty, I mean, like, it's usually pretty unique, right? It's, it's got to be something that stands out. And it's got to be pretty easy to prove because there's usually not a whole lot of investigation that goes on. Which is why I am, look, if you want to create, and this isn't to the emailer, but, well, mainly to the left, I guess. If you want to create this really easy way for everybody to vote wherever, whenever, however they want, okay. But then you better put in a massive apparatus to root out the fraud that's going to come. Because, of course, it comes. Because it always has. I went over some of the examples just from the last 15 years in North Carolina. That count as widespread fraud. There are others, by the way. I got a story in here. Hang on a second. Oh, I have a story on Dominion Voting Systems lawsuit against Newsmax. Um, Here it is. Now, this was back back from an earlier bygone era, okay? This was back when people were worried that uh, Donald Trump stole the election. So things were different. It was different times, you know, just different times. We could talk about election rigging and vote stealing and all of that stuff. We could talk about that because Trump won. So this was right after Trump had won in 2016. And uh, this is from WECT-TV. How often are vote fraud cases actually brought before the North Carolina State Board of Elections for review? So they did an analysis from 2015 through 2016, basically a two-year period, and they found 435 complaints and referrals, not just from the county boards of elections, but also from the public at large. These complaints ranged from allegations of campaign finance problems to voter registration, voting irregularities, convicted felons, non-citizens voting. So of the 270 matters that got investigated in 2015, 43 of them were referred to DAs. They involved various allegations of vote buying and vote fraud. Local authorities declined to prosecute more than half of those cases. The 18 remaining cases are currently in prosecution status. They've resulted in convictions or are under review by DA's offices. The following year, in 2016, there were 165 matters, 12 referred for prosecution, Two went through prosecution, five under review, five were declined. 26 cases still being investigated at the time of this report. So this idea that McClatchy has been promoting that vote fraud is rare, it's not widespread, it doesn't affect elections. You had a guy, I know actually, Pratik Bakta out in uh, Buncombe County. He just won his race for a North Carolina in, I think, the primary um, for the General Assembly seat 115, I want to say, he just won that race by a, a vote. 
by a vote. It happens often. How often? Glad you asked. How one person decided to vote or not to vote made the difference in who won or lost an election in the year 2019 in North Carolina cities. 2019, this state. How many races do you think were decided by a single vote? You want to take a guess at that, Bernie? Three? Yeah, I'm going to go with three. 39. Oh, my gosh. 39 elections decided by a single vote in 2019. So, yes, every vote does count. What are you doing on July 4th? If you don't know yet, now you know. Well, you will in a moment. WBT Sky Show, of course, uptown at the uh, Truist Field where the Charlotte Knights play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come out and celebrate America's freedom. It is the best 4th of July fireworks show in the southeast, if I do say so myself. And uh, it's at Truist Field in Uptown. You come on out. You enjoy the fun of a USA baseball game. And then we have the flag ceremony. And then we blow up uh, a whole bunch of our atmosphere. And uh, details are at WBT.com. That's WBT.com. Hope to see you out there. So in case you haven't noticed on all of the election fraud stuff, and really on, on most issues, if, you, if you, you're trying to figure out kind of where I, where I am on these issues and how I approach them, and look, you don't have to approach them we, the same way. I'm not arguing that mine is the right way. You, you want different people to see different things. That's why, you know, diversity of thought is good. Um, but I approach this, the election integrity issue as I do most others. I try to at least. Which is, first, I reject the binary choice or the false dichotomy, if you will. That when people come and say, you have to choose option A or option B, and that's it. I do not have to accept A or B. I can, I can listen to all of the arguments and I can say, okay, well, A has a little bit of truth to it. B has a little bit of truth to it. Then there's some C and D and E, F, G, H, I, all the way down the chain, right? There, there are all these other potential explanations. I don't have to pick one or the other. Likewise, multiple things can be true, right? Multiple things can be true. There, can, there could be a whole bunch of fraud in different types, in different jurisdictions. It could also be difficult to prove. There could be other jurisdictions where there wasn't fraud, but they get lumped in with the ones where there was fraud. Some rules could disproportionately impact some demographics of people, and some rules do not, despite what the critics say. I can, I can entertain all of these different ideas. Um, but on vote fraud, where does it happen? And this was another one of the, the great ironies. In the 9th Congressional District, with the ballot harvesting operation during the... Uh, McCray Dallas, you know, with the ballot harvesting operation down there. Um, we were told that that was proof that the Democrats were right when they made the argument against voter ID laws. So when North Carolina saw Republicans elected to the General Assembly in, in the majority status for the first time in a century and a half in 2010, they take over in 2011 
and Republicans quickly go about trying to do a voter ID law and Democrats pitch a fit. And they say that if you're truly interested in rooting out election fraud, you need to go after not in-person voting. Very little fraud occurs in person. Where the fraud occurs is absentee balloting. That's what Democrats said. That's what they said. And then fast forward a couple of years when, lo and behold, McRae Dallas, working for a Republican, is accused of absentee ballot harvesting. And now all of a sudden, this is the big problem, right? But the Democrats were saying that was the big problem. So now Republicans come back and say, all right, here are some rules. Let's shore that up. And now Democrats are saying, no, we don't want that. They're going to be too harsh. This is the harshest in the nation because we've got too many safeguards. We can't. I mean, there, there are too many safeguards here. Look, I have said for years, you're trying to balance access with security. There's always going to be that tension there. I understand that. See, again, I don't have to choose one or the other. It's not all or nothing. There is a balance to strike. But when you accuse people who prefer to see more security, you accuse them of, you know, being bigots or trying to suppress the votes and all of that. Well, now I know you're not operating in good faith. And that's problematic when you're the editorial board of the two biggest papers in the state. That's a problem. In a 2008 interview on NPR, of all places, Rick Hansen, who was at the time a Loyola Law School professor in Los Angeles, he's now at UC Irvine School of Law. He talked about the vulnerability of absentee balloting. He said, quote, I certainly think voter fraud occurs, but almost all of it occurs through absentee ballots. Because, look, if you want to influence the outcome of an election, you've got to make sure that people are voting the way you want them to vote. So what better way than to actually look at their ballot, collect the ballot and pay them after you see that they have voted the way you want them to. Right. That's that's true. Because if you're paying people to vote and then sending them into the ballot, uh, sending them into the polling station, you can't monitor what they're doing. That's the benefit of an ABM system, the absentee balloting system, which, remember, Democrats used to say was the most susceptible for the fraud. See, but they had a different interest at that point. See, at that point, Republicans were voting by absentee more so than Democrats. Yeah. See, so back then, Democrats were all about trying to root out the corruption and the fraud inside of the ABMs, the absentees, because Republicans used them. But then when Democrats started using them more, now all of a sudden we can't implement any new safeguards. And by the way, the inverse, I'm sure completely coincidentally, is true, right, where Republicans are now more interested in the absentee ballot safeguards versus the in-person safeguards that they were pushing with voter ID, which, by the way, just a heads up, we still don't have in this state. We still do not have voter ID in this state, despite the fact that our law is one of the most liberal laws crafted for voter ID in America. We have a state judge that has held it up. So, yeah, at some point I have to start wondering, 
if you're opposed to all the safeguards, are you actually in support of the democracy? Oh, look who decided to come back to work. It's breadwinnable. Stick around for Brett's show. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Thank <laughs> you.